Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to Gore Human suffering Death Factual inaccuracies Several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Good news for ghost fans, your hotel room is definitely haunted. I'm Kelly. I don't know, honey. It just just tastes weird. It tastes too polite. I'm Andy. I only have one request for my room, a six-foot pine box spring. I'm Adam. Uh, Just one night, please. Checkout time? Oh, don't worry about that. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to talk about hotels. Hotels? But not motels? Uh, Maybe both. So if you're taking a trip, you might want to skip this episode. Oh, crap. (laughs) Or cancel the trip. (laughs) Never leave your house. Hotel comes from Old French hostel. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Strangely, that used to mean mansion, which to my mind is about as opposite of a hotel as you can get. Right? Certainly as opposite of a hostel as you can get. Mm -hmm. I'm openly hostile. (laughs) There is, strangely, an appropriate phobia to this one. It's xenodokiaphobia. Just the fear of hotels. Xenodokia? Yeah. This is old Greek. And while I'm familiar with xeno, which means stranger or foreigner, I couldn't find much on dokia. The whole word means a place hospitable to foreigners. So I guess dokia means hospitable, but couldn't find that confirmed anywhere. Or it was a really popular Greek hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Grand Xenodokia Hotel. <laughs> No science for this one, because it's just a building that people sleep in. Oh, sure. Architecture and engineering aren't science. (laughs) (laughs) So we're moving along to our acid pop quiz. We only have one true false, which is hotels do a good job of cleaning the rooms. Well, define good. When I was a kid, I remember all those uh, like 60 minutes in 2020. Like, Check out this blacklight. Check out all the stains. (laughs) I would say true. That's very good. I mean, you see those horror stories come up, but I've been in hotels before and I've never really had any problems. They always smell like soap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it really comes down to your definition of good. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of news stories and articles and all kinds of stuff about all of the horrors inside of a hotel room, but there's almost no articles about anyone like catching something deadly from a hotel room. So like it might be gross, but it's not dangerous. But in case you're curious, here's some things that I found about hotels that seems to be pretty standard, though obviously this will vary from hotel to hotel. Yeah. So the sheets, pillowcases, and towels are washed regularly. Maybe not between every guest, but at least every other guest. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The carpets are vacuumed every few weeks. Cloth furniture, like chairs and couches, are pretty much never cleaned. Why would you? (laughs) Cups are often just wiped down real quick to make them look clean. The coffee pot is almost never cleaned. It usually just gets a wipe down, too. 
there was a study in 2014 that they put a controlled bacteria in one room, let the cleaning staff do their stuff, and then they tested all the rooms and found their bacteria had spread far and wide. So (laughs) not only do things not get cleaned as often as they probably should, but when cleaning does happen, it can spread germs to other rooms. That doesn't sound like a very controlled bacteria. (laughs) How often do they remove bodies? Uh, We'll get into that. (laughs) So we're on to our fill in the blank. How long has the longest-running hotel been open? Ooh. Well, this is obviously that ice hotel in Russia, and it's been <laughs> open five years. No, I'm, I'm going to say 2,000 years. Mm. Ooh. In the year 19. <laughs> CE. I'm going to say 1,000. Goodness, you guys are much more optimistic than <laughs> I am. It's a very good or bad hotel. <laughs> um, 400 years. Hmm. Well, Adam is the closest without going over. The Nishiyama Onsen Kyunkan in Yamanashi, Japan, has been open for business for 1,314 years. We'll leave the lantern on for you. And onsens are awesome. What's more, it has apparently been run by the same family for 52 generations. Vampires. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about being stuck in the family business. Yeah, and like jumping Asian vampires. Can I help you, sir? <laughs> Let me show you to your room. <laughs> you know, it it might just be because, like, I was doing some quick math, and it's 52 generations, and a new generation happens about every 20 years, maybe 30 years on the outside. Yeah, it would be, you know, parent, son, parent, daughter, you know. So. Yeah. Imagine being the one that's like, hey, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to not clean up after strangers and all their messes. You're out of the gang. <laughs> this is owned this is by the Yakuza now. <laughs> How often do they have to just like adopt a kid real quick? <laughs> just kidnap somebody like, your last name is this now. <laughs> so in 1986, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas had its worst week on record when it hosted a conference. Who did they host? Worst week in what way? Uh, they made the least amount of money in a week they've ever made. Mm. Nambla? <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Does that still exist? I do not uh, know. Quick sidebar on Nambla. They hosted. I'm gonna say some sort of like uh, alien abductees conference. <laughs> Stockbrokers. Hmm. Hmm. Well, for those of you that don't know, Las Vegas has some of the cheapest rooms and meals in the world. They're happy to sell nearly everything at a loss because they make it all back and more from gambling. But when the 5,000 guest hotel hosted 4,000 members of the American Physical Society, the straight-collared doctors and broke med students went to bed early, didn't touch the free drinks, and were basically an army of the most boring people in the country. After their guests made their way home with full wallets and one token souvenir apiece, the MGM and Las Vegas as a whole politely asked them never to come back. Well, I do. I don't want to come to the Metro Goldwyn Mayer Hotel anymore at all. <laughs> Can I have a keychain? Please send room service up with plain bread and water. <laughs> no ice, thank you. Gotta have it for dipping. How come your guy sounds like John Wayne? I don't know. This <laughs> <laughs> is the John Wayne convention. All John Wayne impersonators. So, how much is a one night stay at the world's most expensive hotel? Too much. <laughs> Mm. I was going to go high, but not quite that high. It's a really good hotel. It's the top room of that tallest skyscraper in uh, Dubai. So you could buy a new Tesla or stay one night in this hotel. I didn't even think about that. Like 
picture like the fanciest hotel you can think of and then picture like the most exclusive penthouse suite yeah Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say ten thousand dollars yeah i watched a buzzfeed where they were like comparing three hotel price points and i don't remember how much it was but it was it was definitely four digits i think uh fifty thousand Fifty thousand. Well, this title is held by the Royal Penthouse Suite at the Hotel President Wilson in Geneva, Switzerland. <laughs> okay, it is the entire top floor of the hotel, all eighteen thousand square feet of it. Wow! Uh, six, it has an indoor running track, <laughs> or sixteen hundred square meters. To get in it, you take your private elevator up from the garage, so you don't have to mingle with the peasants, <laughs> just like Wilson did. But it's one-way glass, so you can look at them and sneer. (laughs) The suite features a workout room, 12 bedrooms, each with their own marble bathtub. Why? (laughs) And comes with a private chef and chauffeur, presumably to drive you around the city block-sized room. (laughs) Do they live in one of the 12 rooms? Yeah. Carry me to one of my other rooms. (laughs) (laughs) They sleep under your bed. (laughs) But which bed? I want to go to bed watching the sunset and wake up watching the sunrise. So you have to carry me to the other room without waking me during the night. (laughs) God help you. (laughs) So all this is a steal at a scant $80,000 a night. I was the closest without going over. Indeed. If I had $80,000 to stay in a room, I would not stay in that room and keep the $80,000. I I would barricade the elevator door and never leave. (laughs) (laughs) This is my room now. This is my home. The chauffeur and chef are with me now. (laughs) (laughs) We're a happy family and you can't break us apart. (laughs) Shouldn't have put a gun safe in each one of these rooms. (laughs) So in 1912, Count August Seymour announced that he would be opening a hotel to accommodate who? The who? Yeah, Pete Townsend. (laughs) (laughs) Opening a hotel to accommodate... He's a nice man. Uh, Orphans and refugees. His horses. <laughs> I said the who. Okay. <laughs> he was going to open a hotel specifically for suicidal people. It's one floor. Mm. <laughs> so guests would check into their eternal restroom, get comfy, take a sedative, and press a button. This would alert the person at the front desk to turn on the gas, snuffing oh, out their latest guest. I, I don't know if that's a hotel. <laughs> it's gone a very different direction than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Is this what H.H. Holmes ended up doing with all that money he stole? (laughs) The hotel would have a crematorium on the roof, making it your one-stop shop for the end of your life. God, on the roof so, like, all the neighbors can see the black smoke billowing at the end of the day? They can also smell all that good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Something smells good around that hotel. Is this like a luau or some sort of outdoor barbecue? (laughs) Smells delicious, whatever it is. Strangely, this hotel never opened. (laughs) Hard to find staff. Hard to find repeat customers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to stay there, but there's no reviews. <laughs> so, yeah, hotels are a very common place to commit suicide. According to a small study that I found, there are blank suicides per 100,000 people not in hotels and then blank suicides per 100,000 people in hotels. I'm going to say two and 20. Hmm. Okay. Five and 30. Um... Seven and 25. Hmm. Well, Andy gets low and Kelly gets the high. Not at a hotel, 3.9 per 100,000 people. At hotels, 223. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so again, that was a small study, but it's probably roughly true everywhere. 
I don't want to study this anymore. <laughs> so yeah, you're about 50 times more likely to uh, commit suicide in a hotel than at home. I mean, I guess if you're like, don't want your family to find you. Yeah. Or if you ate too much of the mini bar food. What's, <laughs> what's the suicide rate for suicide scientists? Yeah, I don't know. I only found one study. So, so we're on to our terms. What is an American plan? Oh, I know this. The only plan worth having. <laughs> it's a floor plan for a hotel. Yes. <laughs> yes, good. The floor plan for a hotel that looks like a bald eagle. <laughs> I think it's the thing you said earlier where all the rooms have gun safes. <laughs> so I saw an episode of Agatha Christie mm. that took place Ooh. in a hotel mm-hmm. and they had what they called American rooms. Mm-hmm. It was it was in England. And the American rooms, if I remember correctly, had like an in-suite bathroom mm. and a couple other luxuries that the rooms for the like European and British guests didn't have because Americans expected it. Mm. Like a tiny McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. But I, Agatha Christie could be lying to me. <laughs> Well, it only comes down to the one thing that Americans really care about. So a continental plan, you may be familiar with, is a stay at a hotel that includes a free breakfast. Sure. An American plan is a stay that includes three free meals, showing what Americans expect when they travel. Oh, see, I don't expect that at all. Yeah, I've yeah. never had. Should I start expecting it? Should I just? I'm an American, the- damn it. <laughs> you got this American plan? What are you, communist Russia? I thought this was America. <laughs> I want to go out and try the food around the place. Yeah. I don't want to have to stay in my hotel for three squares a day. Yeah, you don't want rubbery eggs from Silver Tree. Yeah, now I feel like a hostage. <laughs> I was going to say, if the lunches and dinners are anything like the breakfast, then I'm one's plenty. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so what's a peach? So Nicholas Cage could eat for hours. <laughs> on the internet, it's a butt, isn't it? Yeah. Among other things. <laughs> on the internet. Is that, one, is that a customer who's stoned? Because mm-hmm. it's stone fruit? Maybe a really nice customer. So this is a code for a difficult guest. So if oh. you hear yourself referred to as a peach, you may want to clean up your act a bit. It's a bless your heart sort of thing. Yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> what is the Palicio de Sal? Those are the police of Sal. Those are the police of the sky. <laughs> Policio, it, it's the palace of salt. <laughs> <laughs> so located in Salar de Uani in Bolivia, on site of the world's largest salt flat, the Palicio de Sal, or Palace of Salt, is the only hotel made entirely out of salt. Heck yes. <laughs> I know what words sound like other words. And before you ask, you're not allowed to lick the walls. Says you. Constantly chasing away hooved animals. Man, this salt blanket shattered the second I, t- I tried to tuck myself in. <laughs> I tried to take a shower and ruin the whole building. <laughs> no, the shower is also salt. Another guest has been mummified in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, and that concludes our acid pop quiz. So, first, I wanted to talk about something that happened at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Kansas City, uh, Missouri. Of course. There's a lot of Kansas cities, and I think they're all uh, stealing Kansas's valor. Yeah. So, when construction started, it was going to be a super fancy place. The whole thing was 40 stories tall, and the lobby was open all the way up to the fourth floor. The sides of the hotel were connected via skywalks that crisscrossed the vast lobby. Now, big open spaces look impressive, but they ain't exactly structurally stable. In fact, during construction, a huge section of the roof collapsed and had to be rebuilt. Oops. They said that must be a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) Despite having to start over on the roof, the place opened in 1980. 
One year later, the hotel was hosting a tea dance, which is basically just a big party, and 1,600 people had shown up, which was pretty crowded, to say the least. That's pretty good for a Mr. Tea Dance. (laughs) Some sort of British hootenanny. (laughs) It was so crowded that people had taken to congregating on the skywalks, adding to their substantial weight, which were 32 tons or 29,000 kilograms by themselves. One more cup of tea for me, and then the whole thing buckles. One lump or two. (laughs) Two? (laughs) The walkway connecting the fourth floor creaked ominously, dropped a few inches, then stopped. This gave the breathless people standing on the bridge just enough time to start laughing off the scare when the bridge (laughs) collapsed in earnest. The bridges were offset, so the fourth floor didn't hit the third as it fell, but that gave it more time to build up speed before crashing into the second, collapsing that into the crowds below. People rushed in from all over town to try and rescue people buried in bridge parts, and they were on the clock. The collapse had ruptured the water main, and the screaming pile of rubble was slowly filling with water. Terrifying. They got the water shut off, but the water was already there and didn't really have anywhere to go, so some people who had survived the collapse were now trapped and in danger of drowning. This is just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) My my socks are wet. I don't know if it's blood or urine or water. (laughs) Now there's fire ants everywhere. Fire ants! (laughs) The entomology convention next door. (laughs) So doctors and construction workers worked feverishly to remove rubble and rescue trap survivors. More than a few times, dead people had to be dismembered to get at the survivors beneath them. Corpses were stacked in a conference room and medical help was administered in the driveway. That is not a great place to perform delicate procedures. And if things looked too dire, lethal amounts of morphine were administered. There you go. They just stacked you in the corpse room ahead of time. Yeah. You'll get there. Why am I laying down with all these bodies? <laughs> Joining the conference. One survivor who had his leg pinned had it amputated with a chainsaw due to the Ooh. lack of an ability to get anything better into the space in time to save him. Wow. He survived, but in the end, 216 people were injured and another 114 died. Ugh. Until 9-11, this was the worst structural disaster in U.S. history. The accident was a result of complicated engineering troubles, but in summary, the beams of the roof could hold up a walkway, but the second floor walkway was hung from the fourth, and the beams couldn't hold up two walkways. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, that makes sense, yes. In the lawsuit that followed, the victims were awarded $140 million dollars. That doesn't seem like enough. (laughs) A support group was formed for the rescuers who were having trouble dealing with what had happened. Despite this, one of the rescuers committed suicide. I would have a hard time remembering the day I chainsawed off a guy's leg. Chainsaws again. As for the hotel, well, they fixed up the lobby, doing it right this time around, and reopened. It's changed owners a few times and its names, but it's still open today, and the lobby looks more or less now like it did then. Mm, don't want to. Creaking ominously. Yeah. No, full of rubble. They never cleaned it up. <laughs> don't use that conference room. It's haunted. Yeah. <laughs> it's super haunted. <laughs> so next, I wanted to talk about a modern problem that just seems to keep popping up, which is your private stuff getting out there for everyone to see. Social security numbers, bank account, Facebook login, privacy seems to quickly be becoming a thing of the past. I'd be pretty okay with this if it weren't so malicious, but it is. So anyway, our next story is about people being filmed in their hotel rooms. (laughs) Yeah. 
So people are awful and this sort of thing is bound to happen. But in the past, it was a creepy but isolated thing. Some mouth-breathing hotel clerk would watch you shower, and there the story would end. In fact, there's a Netflix documentary called Voyeur that covers this very subject when a hotel owner who had filmed his guests for years decided to share his spank bank with a journalist because he spent so many years being creepy he forgot he was. So proud okay. of it. I need someone to tell about my life's work. <laughs> yeah, basically. I've been, I've been spanking it to people showering so long that some of these are on Betamax. <laughs> So the journalist came and saw the tapes and even spied on a few people himself, but then decided not to release the story for reasons that are explored in the film. So you can go check that out. But recently, a story came out of Seoul, South Korea. In it, two enterprising young men decided to start a subscription website where you could go to watch people in their hotel rooms in a, I guess, a sort of one-sided chat roulette. <laughs> You'd think that these guys must work in a hotel, but nope, they just had the idea. You would be mistaken. <laughs> they snuck into hotel rooms and set up cameras to stream. They didn't even, like, rent the hotel room? They did, yeah. They'd stay there a night and leave a camera behind. So they must have had a hefty startup fund because they managed to wire 42 hotel rooms in 30 different hotels spread out over 10 cities. Oof. Okay, Hotel cleaning staff need a new job, and yeah. it's sweep the hotel room for cameras. <laughs> they need to be trained like CIA agents. Uh, we send them in there with an EMP every few days. <laughs> so the site was up for five months before authorities caught wind of it, by which point they had 1,600 subscribers and had made over $6,000, hmm. which honestly doesn't actually seem like all that much for all the trouble they went through. But I guess if it's a labor of love... <laughs> Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. This is my ASMR. I like watching people lazily flip through channels <laughs> after their fourth day at Disneyland. And God damn it, I don't want to go on Pirates, honey. I want to stay here. <laughs> now, that would seems to me like that would barely cover the cost of 42 webcams. But they're, they're very cheap webcams. Yeah. So the duo was apprehended and they are looking at a jail sentence of five years plus fines. So goodbye, $6,000 of profit. Oh. <laughs> Easy come, easy go. <laughs> Do they get to keep the webcams? I don't know. Maybe they're still streaming. Can I have my subscription <laughs> refunded? <laughs> no, now all the webcams are just in their cell. <laughs> <laughs> Turnabout's fair pretlay. So as I mentioned, suicides are distressingly common in hotels. No one's really sure why, but hotels work hard not to let that kind of info get around. Coroners and people who clean up places after other people have died say that they visit hotels more than any other place by many times over. So psychologists aren't sure why this is, but there's a few theories. First, sometimes people like to make an event of their suicide. So one last trip before their last trip. Hmm. Also, when people are close to the edge, seeing a person that loves them or even something that reminds them of a person that loves them can pull them back. Sterile hotel rooms that are as welcoming as a goose do not inspire a feeling of love. Is that a phrase? Welcoming as a goose? I made it up, so it can be. <laughs> it's it's going to catch on. <laughs> so let's say here that if you're thinking about doing this, please call and talk to one of the many suicide helplines out there. Yeah. And... Don't travel. <laughs> so dying sucks for the person involved, but if you're in a hotel at the time, it also sucks for the people who have to clean up after you. 
It can also suck for the people staying in that room after you. Yeah. On more than one occasion, the underpaid and overworked cleaning staff managed to overlook a decomposing corpse. (laughs) <laughs> leaving it as a sort of disgusting pillow mint for the next guest. Oh, there you go. In 1996, a brother and sister were staying at a hotel in Pasadena, California, and their room smelled horrible. The sister jokingly told her brother to check under the bed for a decomposing body. After staying in the room for two days, they lifted up the mattress to find that there was indeed a body under it. How'd it get under there? (laughs) So at least one of them had slept and not as alone as they had thought the previous two nights. Uh, Why? Okay, first, complain enough that they'll have to change your your damn room. (laughs) Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, for most of these, it's pretty simple. Basically... Somebody stayed in a hotel room and then they killed somebody and they just left the body behind. So the guest checked out, but mm. someone that wasn't the guest was in the hotel room and they didn't make it out. Ah, so it's murder most foul. Yeah. You figure, you know, if you're cleaning staff, you're probably just like, that's not in my contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the cleaning staff just swept him under the mattress. <laughs> yeah. So in 1999, two German tourists were staying at Atlantic City, New Jersey, and they too noticed a horrible smell. They complained to the management, but were told that there was nothing to be done about the smell. They again stayed two nights before deciding they couldn't take it anymore and demanded a new room. The cleaning staff followed their noses and again found a body stuffed into the box spring. Jeez. It turns out that it was a man who had checked out, but then returned a while later and demanded his key back since he had access to the room until noon. He took a 17-year-old girl into the room, some shit went down, and she stabbed him several times before stowing him under the mattress. Mm -hmm. An almost identical scenario played out in 2003 in Kansas City, only this time the guests stayed in the room for three days before throwing in the towel. I didn't know that you put body in box springs. Yeah, apparently that's where they go. Let's say that's that's just where you store them these days. <laughs> a hotel in Mexico had several guests stay in a room over the course of a week, each complaining about the smell. Once again, a body was found under the mattress. In 2010, a woman had gone missing and was found under a mattress in a hotel after guests had complained about the smell for seven weeks after she had disappeared. Seven. Okay, Sean, we have a new hotel check-in routine. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm sitting in a hotel at the, at the middle of this month. I'm just immediately going to lift up the mattress. <laughs> So I can't say whether she was there that whole time, but the hotel did say that several guests had complained about the smell. So this brings us to our next topic, signs that someone may have died in your room before you stayed there. Okay, good. (laughs) So this varies from case to case. If the scene is extremely gruesome, the room is basically torn down to the joists and rebuilt. But in most cases, it's spot cleaning. Here are some things to look out for that may indicate your room is haunted. Ghosts! Yeah. If only part of the room is new, that's a bad sign. Say, one brand new, roughly human-sized rectangle of carpet. (laughs) Or if, say, some of the furniture in one part of the room is brand new, but everything else looks old. Suicides and homicides can splash a bit, so if the ceiling has a fresh coat of paint, that's not a great sign. Uh Uh-oh. If there's an excessive amount of dead flies in the light fixture, that's also bad. So when blood gets all over everything, the hotel will scrap all the appliances and replace them with some of their endless duplicates. But there is one that often gets overlooked, the AC. Those are big, expensive, and often built into the wall. If blood gets in there, though, it'll fester and fill the room with the pungent smell of dead bodies. 
regardless of where it's coming from, if you smell something dead, just go get a different hotel. <laughs> if, if your room smells like dead bodies, that's a red flag. Yeah. But if you just have a new couch, enjoy it. Hey, new couch. <laughs> if you have a smelly man pinata hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> Gross. So let's talk about a place where you might put these skills to good use. We're going to talk about the Cecil Hotel in L.A., California. It's pronounced Cecil. (laughs) (laughs) So the Cecil opened up in 1927 and went four whole years before its first death. In 1931, a man swallowed poison capsules in his room. In 1932, a man shot himself in the head in his room. In 1934, a man slit his own throat. Dang. In 1937, a woman was found tangled in the telephone wires directly below the roof of the hotel. They couldn't tell if she jumped or was pushed, but they could tell that she was dead. (laughs) That we know. Mm -hmm. In 1938, a man jumped off the roof and landed on a neighboring hotel. (laughs) 39 and 40 had back-to-back suicides from ingesting poison. 44 was a wacky one. A 19-year-old woman who was staying at a hotel with a 38-year-old man, uh, much to the shock of the woman, she went into labor, apparently having gone nine months without taking note of the fact that she was pregnant. Oops. Not wanting to disturb her roommate, she slunk into the bathroom and somehow quietly gave birth. Wow. (sighs) The baby came out, but she thought it was dead, so she did the only sensible thing and threw it out the window. (laughs) Not what I was expecting. Yeah, I, I got to say, that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> but it turns out the baby wasn't dead. At least well, not when she threw it out the window, but it was after it hit the ground. She was found guilty of murder. So that's our first murder at the Cecil. First. There was a jumping suicide in 47 and 54, and then two in 1962. Is this like... You know, like certain bridges just get a reputation and then people flock there? These days, yeah, a bit. It's just like that. It's just like that. Uh, what was room? I, one? I was just about to say that. It sounds like the movie fourteen oh eight. Yeah, in sixty four, a woman was raped and murdered, uh, and then the hotel finally managed to make it to two digits when they went ten whole years without a death until another jumping in nineteen seventy five. Had to reset the sign. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say down in the lobby they have to they have to take down their ten year number. <laughs> the concierge looks so disappointed. <laughs> but then there's a big old gap all the way up into twenty thirteen. Yay! And this was another weird one. A twenty one year old Canadian student was on vacation, staying at the Cecil, and everything seemed fine. You know, I've, I've heard the story. It's really cool. Yeah. Then she disappeared. A few weeks later, guests at the hotel complained that the water tasted kind of funny. Her body was found in the water tank on the roof. After that, a security tape from the hotel shows her darting in and out of an elevator, seemingly hiding from something that wasn't picked up on the camera. Yeah, she's acting like really weird in the elevator, like looking out and hiding and talking to herself and just acting all funny. Yeah, presumably it's one of the many ghosts in the hotel. Or all of them. (laughs) Yeah. There's a floating baby around here. (laughs) Then she went up in the elevator and was found three weeks later in the water tank. Apparently, the door to the roof was alarmed, and it's not possible to lift the hatch on the tank by oneself. So yeah, no one really knows what went down there. But then everyone was drinking her. Yeah, a bit. It's pretty spooky all the way around. Does this water taste like the Great White North to you? (laughs) So in 2015, a body was found on the concrete that sure looked like it jumped off the roof, so the years without death counter is currently sitting at four. We'll see how they do. You've made the Maitre D cry. <laughs> <laughs> 
And to finish our stories, I wanted to retell a tale I heard about on the now-retired podcast, We Have Concerns. It all begins in 2001, when Nick Burchill rents a room at the Fairmont Empress Hotel in Victoria, British Columbia, and he was on a business trip at the time. He was taking advantage of the trip to visit some friends and had brought a bunch of pepperoni to share with them. Just pepperoni? Yep. Apparently, he was visiting from his hometown and his friends were from his hometown and they're famous for their pepperoni. So, he brought some. Yeah, I've been there. Not with pepperoni, but with like, (laughs) bring that thing that I remember. Yeah. Been to the great city of (laughs) Pepperoniopolis. When he got into his room, he realized that there was no fridge, but... He was all like, well, this is Canada, eh? I'll just open the window and set it here on the ledge. Sir, it's July. (laughs) He then left to go do touristy things. He returned five hours later and opened his door to find his room filled with seagulls. (laughs) (laughs) The curtains had been pulled down, the lamps had been knocked over, and everything had a fresh sheen of seagull poop. Uh, Yes, Lobby, I have a complaint. (laughs) He immediately started chasing the birds out, but a few were obstinate and wouldn't budge. He picks up a shoe and hurls it at the last one, which does scare it out, but his shoe goes out the window too. He runs outside to get his shoe to find that it landed in the mud. This is one of his fancy shoes for his business meeting in the morning, so he runs back in, washes the shoe, and tries to blow it, blow dry it with a hairdryer. Uh, this blows the fuse. <laughs> now in a dark room filled with seagull poop holding a wet and muddy shoe, he finally decides to call the front desk. Is this hell? <laughs> the hotel moved him to another room, got to work on cleaning up the disaster area, and issued Birchill a lifetime ban. <laughs> I also got him more pepperoni for some reason. <laughs> he finished his meeting, fled home, and never went back to the Fairmont Empress. <laughs> that is until 2018, 17 years later. The whole event had weighed heavily on Birchill in a very Canadian sort of way. So in 2018, <laughs> he returned to the Fairmont Empress to once again apologize and humbly request a lift on his lifetime ban. Please. Now, I assume this hotel, like almost every service industry, has a maximum turnover of about five years. <laughs> so the clerk said, sorry, who are you? That's a funny story, guy. So sure, by the power invested in me, I hereby lift your ban. He brought a dead seagull as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I brought some more pepperoni. Craw, craw. <laughs> oh, they remember. And that was the last of the stories that I had. Good hotel stories. I don't have any weird ones. Yeah. My hotel stays have been pretty regular. I mean, there was a guy that told us we were stanking. That wasn't really at the hotel. We were staying at a hotel at the time. Uh, My favorite hotel story is one that my wife tells where she went to an anime convention with two friends. And uh, one of them opened up the mini mini fridge, which was ended up being a mini bar with a note inside that said, you may open up this fridge once. The second time we're going to charge you. (laughs) Opening it? Yeah. I can't, you can't just look? No. <laughs> and they, 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 they read the, the man she was with, read the note out loud, closed the door, and his girlfriend immediately went, really, what? And opened up the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get you. I mean, I guess the, the simple solution would be just to prop the door open the whole time. And let all the food go bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool your room. Yeah. And my only, I don't know, I guess advice about hotels is, you know, there's a lot of websites that you can go that will, like, give you a discounted rate at a hotel. But 
from my experience, try and avoid those because when a hotel finds out that they're giving you a room for like 20% less than what they would normally charge, they give you the worst room yeah. in the hotel. They don't care for you much. Yeah. The last time that happened to me, I stayed in a room that butted up against the elevator on one side, the ice machine on the other <laughs> side, and had a broken AC that sounded like a cement mixer. <laughs> Can we tell bed and breakfast stories? Sure. I'm going to probably make Sean actually tell this story, but we stayed at a bed and breakfast in Canada once where we showed up really late. It oh. was like midnight or 1 a.m. And we told them we were going to be late. So they were like, oh, that's fine. We'll leave a key in the basket. <laughs> the basket. Yes. <laughs> but where is the basket? <laughs> is it in the state? <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this like a reverse escape room? It pretty much was. So, Break into our house. It's, it's one in the morning and we have to find a basket with a key in it. And so there's like, there's a porch and there's a locked door and there's no basket. Yeah, no sign of a basket. Yeah, tell us the killer's name. <laughs> there was a trunk, which we were convinced the basket must be in the trunk. So we opened the trunk like five different times and took everything out. <laughs> No basket. Still nothing but possums in here. (laughs) Finally, if I remember correctly, the basket was under the porch. Yeah. Like tucked behind some sort of pillar. Yeah. We get into the hotel. The key has like a rubbed off number on it. (laughs) And there are just a series of rooms, one of which is ours. (laughs) Choose wisely. Yeah. And. I think we got the last room in this bed and breakfast. So we know that every other room is occupied. So then we have to like, as quietly as possible, try a key in every lock in this place. Everybody comes to breakfast saying that the room was haunted. (laughs) Just, just as soon as like, just as recently as two weeks ago, a bunch of signs went up in my condo complex that says, we are a permanent resident community. No Airbnbs. Uh, uh. Which you can kind of tell who they were targeting because there's more signs heading towards one part of the condo <laughs> complex as opposed to... Like, circula- circling one door. Yeah, so they were all staked right in front of one house. <laughs> to which I had the stupid thought, well, how would they know? Well, just look up the addresses. <laughs> sure. Maybe. <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not an Airbnb, Jeff. <laughs> we also had that stay in Portland where the alarm kept going oh, off. Oh, God, that was horrible. You know, it was another bed and breakfast. And at like one in the morning, the fire alarm went off. And so like everybody gets but up. But it went off intermittently. Yeah, well, yeah, it was like it went off. We got up and got our stuff all together and like made for the door and then it stopped. And it's like, okay. I guess we're done. And so like we set our stuff back down and started lying down and it went off again. And so this like continued in this sort of like two steps forward and one step back way all the way down the stairs. Like we'd get a certain distance from our room and then it would stop. We'd start going back to our room and it would start up again. Red light, green light, fire escape. Yeah. And we make it down to the lobby and then we just like chill in the lobby with all the other guests listening to the alarm go off every two minutes trying to contact the owner yeah and so like it's a bed and breakfast but we got the impression that the lady that ran it didn't live there so we're trying to call her but she's not picking up and that's like that's it when you're in a bed and breakfast that's your only option you know call the owner and if they don't pick up well you're out of luck so we called every five minutes for like 
45 minutes while this all happened. And then I was like, if it goes off one more time, I'm going to call the fire department because I don't know what else <laughs> to do. And I had some the, sort of ghost fire. <laughs> I had the fire department's like phone up and I had my finger hovered over the button and it never went off again. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess we'll go to bed. And so we did. And then the next morning, the lady was there and she's like, oh, how was your night? And we're like, well, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> And so we described this story. She's like, wow, that's crazy. I just live upstairs. So it turns out she was just on the top floor and managed to sleep through all of this. Crazy. Huh? So, yeah. She gave us 50 bucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So you have a mission. Your mission is to go stay at a hotel and get them to give you a lifetime ban. Now, you can't recommend this to them. You can't go up to the front desk like, oh, no, you'd better lifetime ban me. You have to get them to tell you you're banned for life. And we're going to agree on an amount of money. And if you get them to ban you for life, you get the money. But if you fail, then you will presumably be financially responsible for whatever you did to that room. Oh, God. Just the room, huh? I can't, I can't like, uh, poop in the pool. Well, whatever you think it'll take. I mean, but it's going to be a balancing act between, like, doing enough, annoying them enough to not ever want you back and also not doing something that's going to get you arrested. (laughs) How fancy is the hotel? Let's just say it's a normal run-of-the-mill hotel. It's like a Hilton Express. Yeah, or Comfort Inn or something like that. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to need... A gallon jug of white wine and a bunch of laxatives. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to make that room into a Pollock. <laughs> that, that, and I could just be like, oh, no, I, I, got, I got bad. I'm, I got bad. This is what my house looks like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wade through this every morning to get to the bathroom. D- you didn't see the, the warning I put on there? Nightmare colon? <laughs> 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 I think I could do it, but I don't. Let's just bet $2,000. 2000 because I don't want to do so much that it's like hyper destructive and makes life hell for the staff. Mm-hmm. Well, how else are you going to get banned? <laughs> I don't know. Take a bunch <laughs> of Ambien, helicopter See, my wiener. I'm going to need a, a good amount of money to have that sort of thing on like my permanent record. <laughs> That's something made up by schools, Adam. They don't actually do those. <laughs> Adam can no longer go to Best Westerns. Yeah, but if I'm exiled from Vancouver or something, <laughs> I can't exactly run for president. <laughs> There was an episode of Mythbusters where they proved you could super glue everything in a hotel to the ceiling. It's true. I feel like that'd be a good start. Yeah. I'm thinking, don't like hunters or farmers or something have like gallons of predator urine? <laughs> yeah. Gallons. <laughs> they roll it in a drum. God, that's going to smell off. Sprinkling it around the hotel and that's what you're doing, like marking. <laughs> <laughs> this is mine. I'm holding off wolves. <laughs> oh, God. Like. You're not going to have any like prey animals around for miles, but all all of the wolves and mountain lions are going to be coming. <laughs> Snakes, dozens of them. I think I'm going to go somewhere really cold, and I'm going to rent two hotels. And in one of them, I'm going to open the window as wide as it'll go and try to let the room fill up with snow. <laughs> and then build a snowman. Yeah. yeah. Just make it seem deliberately malicious. And then I'll close the window and open the fridge and ag- act totally innocent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I like man. that. I don't. Well, I feel like I do need to pay the cleaning staff, though. <laughs> uh, fifty thousand. 
Oh, 2000? I have an idea. I'm going to go to one of those ice hotels. There's one in Russia, one in Canada, and I'm going to plug in a space heater in my room. <laughs> I'm going to build a campfire. <laughs> How much to do my snow trick? Like, worse, it's just water damage. I don't feel like that's going to be too much, but I am going to have to... Depends on the floor you're on. Like, the neighbors downstairs are going to have dripping. That's true. If I bring in enough snow to collapse the floor, that's probably bad. Probably. Uh... 10,000, I think I'd give that a shot. I was also thinking 50,000, but I'll go, I guess I'll go like 70. Or I, I suppose you could also buy some like lutefisk and uh, <laughs> what's that corpse fruit? Just have a durian party? Yeah. Durian, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye. Durian party over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.